The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. And changing things up just a little bit, Pastor Josh is away at uh, winter camp. Sad they didn't get any snow. You might have noticed that. In fact, I got up this morning, or I'm sorry, I got here this morning. I looked at myself in the mirror, which I probably need to start doing at home before I get here. But uh, but I thought, man, I dress like the weather. I'm gray. Just uh, boring uh, like that. But uh, the teens, actually, they're wrapping up snow camp over at Bear Lake uh, about now, I think, or somewhere in the next hour or so, and they'll be heading back. Uh, so because he's not here, I feel like, and, and actually Dennis is, was gone this weekend, too, so I led the small group before church and I'm just talking all the time. I'm really getting kind of tired of hearing myself talking. So if you agree with me, that's fine. We're, we're in complete agreement. I'm tired of hearing myself talk too. And I normally really like to hear myself talk. So uh, so I could tell I've been doing it too much. We are going to finish 1 Corinthians chapter. We'll stick some announcements at the end. That's where I started down that road. Uh, but we're going to finish 1 Corinthians chapter 1 today, talking about the power of the cross, specifically about the power of the cross for today, for our lives today. Many times we see our faith, we see Jesus, we see the, uh, the crucifixion, the resurrection, we see everything that we believe as a past decision that takes care of our future. But we forget about the power of the cross in our day-to-day -day lives, or we kind of skip over that. We've got something that's settled in the past, my trust in Jesus Christ, my sins are forgiven. That's taking care of my eternity with him in the future. But what does the cross mean to me this day? We kind of see it like a retirement account. Okay, do you have a retirement account? Uh, I have a retirement account. Uh, I think I probably should invest in it a little bit more than what I do. But quite frankly, I don't want to because <laughs> I'm having too much fun. Um, and, you know, but the, the, don't you think, look at that sometime and you think I probably should put some more in. But and honestly, when you get to be in my advanced years, I start to think, OK, how many years do I have left where I can do stuff and enjoy it? Uh, so I want to do it now and spend my money on that now. And I don't want to invest too much in the, in the end and stuff like that. But I think sometimes we think of our faith almost like that, too. Yeah, that's off in the future. And anything that I put in there now, it's kind of like work, and I really don't want to do that. I don't look forward to that. I want to do, you know, more stuff like that. And our, our faith is to be so much more than that. Our faith is the power of a cross and a dynamic life that we have now in Jesus Christ. And uh, Paul's been addressing that, going through 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He's, he started off, he said, yeah, this church, remember, this is a church that has a ton of problems. They got more sins than we can list here uh, for a while. They got stuff going on. They're pretty messed up about stuff. But before he goes into saying, hey, here's some things I want to address specifically, what he does is he says, I want to point you in one direction. I want to point you to Jesus Christ. First 10 verses, 10 times Jesus Christ is mentioned over and over again. And he says, I want, to, I want us to know that what is to be the main focus of what we're doing here is the cross of Christ, not about people. In fact, remember, when you get following people, he said this very plainly, when you get following people, the cross is obscured. And we don't want that. We need this to be the central part of our lives. So let's see how he goes about this. And uh, we're actually going to look, uh, as we look at the, uh, at the end of the chapter here, we're going to see three profiles 
Um, my wife and I, every once in a while, we'll find, you know, a crime show that we like to watch. I tried a show called Criminal Minds. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that. It's not on now. Yeah, it's done very well, but I couldn't watch it because it creeped me out. I couldn't go to bed afterwards. <laughs> you know, was like, yeah, oh, I drive you crazy. But I know that this is a team of profilers. You know, everybody is going to go through and they're going to analyze everybody. Well, what Paul does at the end of First Corinthians chapter one is he profiles us, me, if you want to say it like that, or us, or or uh, then he profiles God or Christ Jesus, and then he profiles Christ in you or God in you and the difference it makes. So let's go ahead and begin uh, in verse number 26 of 1 Corinthians 1. For consider your calling, brothers. Okay, not many of you, here's, he's talking about the people here in the church. He says, not many of you are wise according to worldly standards. Uh, not many were powerful. Now, I should mention as he says this, he doesn't say not any. Okay, there are some. Uh, there were some in the church then. There are some in the church today who would be considered really brilliant. But quite frankly, and I don't want to insult you all, but we're pretty average for the most part. Not too many of us. Uh, now, you, if, you, if you totally disagree with me, then I'm not talking about you. Uh, it doesn't say not any. Uh, it says not many, but we don't really kind of stand out as the world beaters. Probably not too many of you have your picture on the cover of a magazine. Okay, Adam's going to be on Rolling Stone after his chords. I don't even understand that when he says those things this morning. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, but, but most of us are not headed, if you want to say, for fame and fortune. Most of us are not considered too super wise. Sorry, sorry. What did the pastor tell you this morning? He said, we're dumb. Uh, not only are you dumb, uh, that you are, there are not many who are powerful. Uh, I'm sorry, not many wise, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, they're really nobodies, to bring to nothing things that are, that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Now let's go back and look at the profile that he says here. There's a book, uh, I think it was just a couple years ago, uh, is the, the Greatness in You. Okay, I'm going to see the greatness in you. I got to tell you, that's not the message today. <laughs> okay, that might be. Boy, we need a little bit of that. And yet, to some degree, we'll talk about that. We do need a, a word of encouragement, but the Apostle Paul doesn't address the greatness in them. He goes through, and then we could divide this up into five different things he says about them. Number one is he says, You're foolish. Okay, the truth of the matter is, most of us are foolish. If you think about this here for a second, the smartest man in the world has no answers for life itself. You say, wow, yeah, you do. There was a lightning bolt that came and zapped a pond and uh, life was born. Uh, that made perfect sense. We really don't. And, and uh, with respect to those of you in the medical profession, and I know a few of you are here today, we don't really know exactly what it is that keeps people alive. You say, well, yeah, there's an impulse from the brain. Okay, where'd that come from? You know, what, 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 that, what that happened that, that keeps the heart, heart moving. The smartest in the world ha doesn't have that figured out. They don't have figured out. I mean, they might think they might have a theory about some ball of gas that exploded sometime, but, but really the, the creation of this world, there is no explanation for it. And, and no matter how much we want to pretend, we don't have that figured out. We don't have it. We're, we're not as brilliant as we think we are sometimes. The weak, hey, the most athletic among us is headed for 
Limp City. Okay, <laughs> say, oh, I'm active. I'm involved. Oh, we we were uh, we were at a football game a couple years ago, and they were honoring the great stars of the Steelers from the '70s. Sorry, I was couple uh, fellow Steeler fans here. Uh, but we were at the game. They were bringing these guys out with their canes. <laughs> you know, I got uh, those that were still alive. Uh, and uh, they were they were coming out. You know, they're limping out and helping each other out onto the field. And I thought, that's rough. Uh, yeah, these are the best athletes in the world there. And, and now they're limping around. And the most, the most strong, the, the strongest of us, as far as God is concerned, he says we're still weak. The most prominent, he says, are still lowly, okay? No matter how much fame you think you have earned, no matter how well you think you are known, you'll, that's going to vanish. I, I, again, positive message. Uh, let's see what else I can tell you, but it, is, but it is the truth. I ministered it in the same ministry for 30 years. If you'd go over there today and mention my name, you would get blank stares. It cracks me up because I'll meet people at Upward that go to that ministry, and I'll say, hey, I used to go there. I was there for 30 years. What's your name? So, so you could tell. First of all, they could care less that I'm telling them. And secondly, they never heard of me. And, you know, finally, I just walk away. Okay, I guess, I guess I'm just a nobody. Uh, and I get that. But that's really the truth. No matter how much prominence we think we're getting as far as this world goes, the Bible says there's still this place where we are lonely. It uses the word despised. It uses the word, it, it talks, it doesn't use the word insignificant, but it explains that, that you're not really anything. God takes nothing and makes, and makes something out of it is what he does. Go through this for a second. Uh, think about those five words that we could put in our profile. And we realize that that is how we are often seen also now. Okay, you're seen as foolish. How can you believe in a God? How can you believe in the Word of God? How, you know, how can you believe these things? You know, you're just say, in fact, you talk about the idea of being weak. Well, what, what do they say about uh, any type of faith in God? It's a crutch. Okay, you need a crutch. You need as a, so we oftentimes are seen as these five things. We are weak. Uh, we are foolish in some ways. We are lowly. Try being a, a stand-up for Christ in a, in, at school. Um, I know most of the teenagers are away with Pastor Josh today, but try it. Try standing up for Christ and see how much great respect you get just because you are associated with Jesus Christ. Many times we're despised, and the first thing they'll think of if you say, I am a Christian, is you are a hate-filled bigot. Honestly, that is what comes out. That's the impression that some people are going to get right away. Oh, you're a hate-filled bigot if you're, if you're following Christ in that way insignificant for sure. Our world oftentimes has no place for the message of the gospel. There's a football player. Uh, sorry, Michigan fans, I'm going to mention an Ohio State player. Please try to stay in your seats and don't throw anything. Uh, but he's not with Ohio State anymore. He's now placed for the Houston, Texas by the name of C.J. Stroud. If you follow it all, he is incredible rookie year. Um, and uh, every time I watched that man interview, he would stand up and say, first of all, I want to praise Jesus Christ, my Savior. Every time he would, he would, you know, he much, and I was like, okay, I don't care who he played for. He can be a Buckeye. He can be a Fighting Irish. Uh, he can be any, anybody. I'm, I'm going to be his fan. But every every time he would do that, it was kind of interesting. On the team website, they posted his interview from the last game. Uh, about how you know, much he appreciated the city and everything like that, and they decided they needed to edit it out some. And what they edited out was. Jesus Christ. 
uh, take him out. And and that's that is where that's where we are a lot of times. We are we are insignificant. You know, our message is not received. We're not seen as all that important as far as the world goes uh, for our our association with Jesus. Now, okay, so again, you came to church today. What the pastor say? Well, he said I'm weak. I ain't too smart. Uh, I'm kind of a nobody. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe I could be despised, but, but stay with me here for a second. We can re- respond in one of two ways to this, okay? We can respond to this profile of ourselves in one of two ways. And one of them is we can deny it. And, and I want to say, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, I don't, I'm not suggesting you take your kids home after church today and tell them, hey, <laughs> you're stupid. Hey, you're weak. Uh, that's not what I'm saying here, here, here at all. You know, I'm, I know people need encouraging words, and I'm not saying that. But better than just denying this profile at all is what the Apostle Paul does here. And that is he introduces a new profile. Okay, so he says, yes, this is the profile. This is true. This is where we are. But I got some really good news for you. So as we read on here into verse 30, it says, but because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. That's a, that's a phrase that is mysterious and powerful at the same time. Christ is in us. We are in Christ uh, when we believe in, uh, in him for salvation and for forgiveness of sin. He takes up residence in our lives. And he has become for us the wisdom of God, okay, that that which makes our lives work, that wisdom of God, he has become that for us. And what are the characteristics it says of him? Righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Righteousness. Okay? The first characteristics of his profile is that he is righteous. Jesus always did exactly what the Father told him to do. He is completely obedient to him. He was completely righteous. There was no sin in him. That is his profile, is righteousness. His profile is also holiness. The uh, ESV that we read says sanctification, but the, the, the idea of holiness, remember, is the idea of being set apart. Jesus impacted the world because he was different from the world, totally, di- totally different in, in everything. And uh, in, in the way that he loved, in the way that he lived, in everything about him, his presence lifted the world because he was different. The third word that we had in our text was the word redemption. This is another part of his profile. He faced evil, the full force of evil, and won. He sets the prisoners free. He is life, and you cannot kill the life of God. He, he lives on. He is that redeemer. So Paul has profiled the human condition, but instead of just denying it, what he wants to do is he wants to unite us with this new profile, with a righteousness, with a holiness, with a redemption. Okay, so let's go back to verse number 30 and then read verse number 31 along with it. And because of him... You are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's go back through our profile here for a second. Foolish, yes. But when I am foolish, he enables me to pull my life together, okay, as I'm united with him. And folks, uh, we will not get into the details today, but I can say with the worst of you probably, I have been foolish. 
I've done some really stupid things in my life. And I hear the statement a lot, and I, I wish I could, I could wash it out of people's minds because a lot of times people are, will say to me, Pastor, I don't see any way that God is going to forgive me or that God is going to use, use, uh, use me in any way because what I did, I did myself. I made my own mess. It's all about me. Now, listen, many of us have problems that we had nothing to do with, but every one of us has problems that we have made ourselves. Okay, so if you say God doesn't, you know, God doesn't want to have anything to do with me because I've made my own mess. Boy, that's going to exclude all of us because we have all with some of the decisions, with some of the stupid choices we made, we've made our own mess. But what God says is, is yes, that is who we are. We're foolish in some of the decisions that we make, but he enters into that with us and he enables us to pull our life together in spite of that. Are we weak? Oh, yeah. We're definitely weak, but when I am weak, he enables me to stand. He empowers me. He gives me the strength that I need to prevail over that. And a lot of times this means that what I want to do is simply to remember to cry out to him for help uh, instead of white-knuckling it. Instead of saying, you know, I'm going to clean up myself and get myself right, and then I'm going to walk with God. We are going to take some time in the next month, in the month of February. I said we're, we're going to look at some of the Psalms. We're going to focus on the Psalms of lament, which uh, Psalms that help us deal with grief, grief and, and heartache. But we're just going to look at the Psalms overall to see them as the prayer of a man, an honest, honest prayers of men before God that God has decided to, to give us in the Bible, you know, these prayers to, to pray. And uh, so often the prayer is just, the, the honesty is incredible. And I think as we look at these Psalms, it'll help us to see, you know, that that's where we want to be with God. We want to come to him sometimes and just say, God, yes, I keep messing up over this. God, would you forgive me? But God, would you give me the strength that I need? Okay. Because we have this pride thing in us, and we think that what we're going to do is we're going to clean ourselves up and make us acceptable to God. It doesn't work like that. If we could do that, Jesus would not have come and paid the price for our sin. He came because we can't clean ourselves up. And he says, I want to enter in it. I want to give you my spirit. I want to come and be part of your lives so that more and more as we grow, we'll begin to see more and more victories. We talked about this last week, and we looked at it in the text that we are not perfected now. And there will be still times when we stumble now. We're in the process, if you will, of being saved. And I kind of hate to say that because I didn't want to be confusing. I don't have the time to explain that today. But this, this life that has begun in us is growing. It is not perfected yet. And we are still going to continue to struggle. And I need to, on a regular basis, help, Lord. I need your strength today. I need your help. Amazingly, you know, sometimes when people are struggling, you know, one of the first questions I can ask is, have you, have you talked to God? Well, no, I haven't really. We believe the accuser who comes and says to you, God doesn't want to hear from you. God doesn't want to hear from you. You've messed up too much. Rather than saying, God, I have messed up. Would you forgive me? And God, I need you in this. I, I've already proven I can't beat this thing on my own. I've, I've proven that. I do not have the strength to do it. God, I need you. I need your strength. And we learn more and more to trust in that strength. When I am lowly, he calls me his own. Okay. Say, so if you feel beat up at all today by the pastor calling you foolish and weak and all these things, let me also tell you this. God says that he calls you his child. 
okay? When we believe in Jesus Christ, he enters our life and he gives us a new identity. And we are not called his servants even. What we are called is his child, okay? We're called friends. We're called his child. He invites us into that, that relationship. That is the identity that you can walk out with, okay? Not the, yeah, I am a bit of a loser. And God says this. He says, I'm going to call you my own. Isn't that amazing? I love that song. I, I know I was a few years old of Matthew West. I'm a child of the one true king. I, I like to walk around singing that. I am a child of the one true king. Okay, so, so awesome. When I am despised, he shares this with me. He allows us to share in this being despised. Jesus himself was despised. So when we are as his followers, he is there with us in the middle of that. When we are looked down upon, when we are made fun of, uh, we share in the honor of being associated with Jesus Christ. And that is a reproach that if we'll think about it, we're willing to bear. Okay. If this associates me with Jesus Christ, you can despise me all you like. Uh, he is the one who has laid down his life for me. He is the one who has purchased my soul for eternity. I could be associated with him in any way. When I am insignificant, he places a value on me that I would never place on myself. Okay. Process that for a second. When I am a nobody, God says, I place a value on you. But I love that phrase. You would never even place on yourself. And I've mentioned that before. Can you imagine going to God and saying, God, I need some help here. Would you send your son to die on the cross for me? I don't know if there's a person in here that would come close to having the nerve to do that. Okay, God, would you sacrifice your son for me? And yet God placed such a value on our salvation that he would pay, be willing to pay that price. You ever, you ever think about that? I was talking to a guy yesterday. Uh, it's kind of a weird conversation. He was standing in the hallway for upward, and I said, hey, "Do you like those shoes?" He had these fancy shoes on that I knew were quite expensive, and he said, "Yep, worth every penny of it." <laughs> I thought, hey, "This guy really loves his shoes. Uh, you gotta love something." Uh, but uh, but but anyway, he was he was pretty excited. About shoes, but I thought about that phrase, "worth so much." Think about you know. You, sometimes you weigh things and you say, "Hey, this is incredibly expensive." but it's worth it. And you, and you make up your mind, I'm going to go ahead and bite the bullet on this. I'm going to pay for this, even though it's ridiculously expensive because it's worth it. Do you understand that that's what the Bible says? God looked at us and said, it's worth it. It is worth it. I place a value on Dan. <laughs> Wait a minute. I know Dan. He's messed up. I know how many times he's if you want to say it like this, disappointed his heavenly father. I know, I know those things. I know the things I, uh, I've done wrong. And yet he placed the value on me enough to send Jesus Christ into the world to pay the price for sin. Folks, isn't that kind of overwhelming? So if you think about it, yes, the identity, pro, the profile that he gives us is, is correct at the beginning. That's where we are, but that's where we are without him. You know, if you search the scriptures, you will find individual after individual. I don't know how else to say this, but lowly stupid. I mean, read it. You think, oh, the great heroes of the Bible. Come on, read. Sometimes my wife will, she's been reading through the Old Testament. She'll read about the character in the Bible. And she'll say, that person was really a mess. <laughs> Why do people name their kids after him? Uh, you know, uh, we just need to make up new names. That person was really fouled up. And you read that throughout scripture. You see a group of people that are lowly. You see a gr group of people that were despised. You see a group of people that were stupid in, in many ways. They were foolish in what they did. And yet God writes a beautiful story through them. 
just as he wants to do with us. When you look at church history, you see the same thing. God has chosen to use the foolish things of the world that no man uh, would get the praise for what he has, ac has accomplished. The church, despite all its mess-ups, despite all the pastors that have blown things and done things wrong, and despite the, the failures that you have in your, in your pasture, the church survives because the life of God is in the church. And the same thing is true of you. Despite your mess-ups and everything like that, God says, when you come to me for new life, I give you that new life, and that life of God lives inside of you, and you will survive in this all. So the Scripture tells us very plainly, let him who boasts, boast in, boast in Jesus Christ. You want to evaluate a church? Ask this question. Who is exalted at that church? Is the pastor exalted? Are the listeners exalted? Okay, you haven't been today, have you? You're a bunch of foolish, weak people. Uh, but, uh, but, um, but, you know, who is exalted at that church? And the answer should overwhelmingly be that it is exalting Jesus Christ. What is emphasized at that church? What I can do? The greatness in me, I don't ever want to use that phrase unless I'm talking about the presence of God in your life. There is a greatness in you if Christ has taken up residence there in your heart and life, and I will point to that, but not the greatness that is inherently in you. Sermons oftentimes are nothing more than positive thinking sprinkled with a little, little God, a little scripture thrown in there. But the truth of the matter is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of the cross, is very humbling. The very presence of God in our life is very humbling. In the Old Testament, Isaiah walked in or uh, entered, was seen in the presence of God, and his response was as he got just even a taste of it. The phrase uh, from the King James is, Woe is me, for I am undone. Okay? I always thought horrible. His horse was named Ismi. I didn't completely understand that phrase when I was younger. Uh, but he said, whoa. He, he said, I can't, I can't even imagine this. I, I can't even imagine this when, when he came in the presence of God. And the, and the presence of God in my life personally, as I spend time with him uh, on a daily basis, as I walk with him, is humbling. It, it is. I mean, I, I, you get overwhelmed sometimes with the idea that the God of the universe uh, would meet with you, that the God of the universe loves you so much that, uh, that, he gave, that he gave his son. These things are just humbling. They're overwhelming. How in the world can we oftentimes, while following him, be puffed up and become proud? We think often that the, the uh, hope for life lives in you. In me is life and hope in me. Add one word, Christ in you is the hope. That's what the Scripture tells us. So we don't want to be here to flatter egos. We want to be here to exalt Christ. We want to lift him up so that men and women will see their weakness and be drawn to him. And I hope as you process this whole thing, what started off as maybe, uh, hey, what <laughs> the pastor invited us here today to beat us up and tell us how bad we are. I hope you see how incredibly uplifting this message is. Because no matter how hard I work to change that profile, I'm still going to do foolish things. No matter how hard I strive to be better, I'm still going to mess up some. I'm still too weak a lot of times to do things. And it, with each one of those I could go through, no matter how much I want to make a name for myself, I'm going to be forgotten someday. And I, and I realize that. So that profile is not what I want to hold on to. 
I want to be like the Apostle Paul and say there's a new profile, the profile of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's kind of, if you want to say, mix those two together a little bit. Let's entwine them and realize that in, because Christ is in you, you have a new pro, profile. Um, yeah, I mentioned before some of the weirdnesses of my family. I don't know if other families do this or not. I never get any feedback. But if we've ever seen, we have a lot of weird movie lines. Sometimes we don't even remember the movie that we repeat. I mean, some of them are just goofy, you know. It's like um, there's a scene in What About Bob where Bill Murray is, uh, uh, they're giving him salad. And he'll go, get those tomatoes off of there. And, uh, we, and nobody in my family likes tomatoes but me. So, you know, they pass it out and we'll get those tomatoes off of there. Uh, just weird little, little things that stick in my head. Uh, but one of the ones, for some reason, stuck in our head is from a movie called Men in Black, uh, where Will Smith is being recruited to serve in this alien investigation agency. And they bring him in and they bring the, the sharpest candidates from each of the armed forces in there. And he says, we have called you here because you are the best of the best. And uh, so then the uh, Tommy Lee Jones, I think, walks in and says, you know why you're here? And the guy stands up and says, yes, sir, because we're the best of the best, sir. That is a phrase that is stuck in our, our family all the time. You know, how you doing today? I'm the best of the best, sir. Uh, like, like that. Again, we're weird. I, I get that. But we like that little phrase. I'm the best of the best, sir. Aren't you glad that God didn't just choose the best of the best? Aren't you glad? And here's the thing. When we point to the cross, when we point to understand that this phrase is so important to, that, we, that we get what it means, the ground is level there at the foot of the cross. Okay, we all stand lowly. We all stand despised. We all stand foolish before that cross. We all stand in need of the Savior. One of the greatest things we get to do as, as a church to help us remember the cross is to observe the Lord's Supper. And uh, we're going to take the time to do that right now. If I could just explain, just uh, especially if you're, if you're new to uh, church around here. Well, we take time around here. It's approximately once a month. And we do something that they did in the New Testament church, actually start it with Jesus. And then the, the Bible tells us throughout the letters that the church continues to practice this. Well, what they did when they gathered together, they wanted to remember that Christ's body was broken for them. And there was a point where Jesus said, this is my body, and he broke bread. When we take a little cracker just to remember that Christ, God came, lived in the flesh, and, uh, and sacrificed that flesh. That flesh was torn apart for us. So we take time to remember that. So we take a cracker together, and then we also uh, take a cup here of, uh, this is just grape juice that we have, uh, but it's just to re represent the cup that he took that night. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which was shed for you. So what we do with this is we just remember that Christ laid on his life. And, and you are invited to remember that with us in either way. If, you're, if you uh, say, hey, that's me. I believe that. I have trusted in Jesus Christ. And therefore, you'd like to share in communion with us. In a moment, um, you'll see some folks come up and begin to serve themselves uh, the elements. They'll take them back to their seats and take them. If you would rather uh, just sit and observe for whatever reason, maybe you say, well, I'm not sure I agree with everything going on, or maybe there's something in your heart right now that you'd like to get settled between you and God before you would do this. That's fine. And please feel very comfortable just to sit and observe communion during this time. But what we are saying when we do this is Jesus Christ uh, was God in the flesh. And uh, he laid down that life that he came and lived here for me. 
And I want to remember that he did that. I want to, I want to remember him. I want to thank him for that. I want to remember him for that. And uh, he shed his blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. He laid down his life. He shed his blood. And I want to remember that he paid that price for me. So we're going to take a little time to do that. Like I said, whether you'd like to participate by actually taking communion or whether your preference would be to observe and maybe just use this little time for reflection or prayer on your own, uh, you are very welcome to do that. But I'm going to pray. They're going to play some music. And like I said, you pick up the elements and turn to your seat, and then we'll all take them together in a couple minutes here. But, Father, thank you. <laughs> yeah, there I did it again, Lord. I start into a prayer and don't even really stop and think to whom I'm talking. I'm just going through a motion there, Lord. I don't want to do that. So I said the word thank you, and then, wow. When I put the words for the cross after that, it is so overwhelming. Thank you that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. If we believe in him, we will not perish. We'll have eternal life. Thank you for that, God. Thank you that now we get to take some time and look to you, focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. Would you minister in a way during this time that I cannot do? Would your spirit take this time and use it in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.